Hello, welcome to the Satellite Market Cast podcast, where we feature key executives from leading satellite companies worldwide, talk about their company, their careers, industry trends, and other insights on the exciting satellite communication industry. I'm your host, Virgil Labrador, Editor-in-Chief of Satellite Markets and Research, inviting you to another informative podcast with our featured guest today. Well, welcome everybody to this edition of the Satellite Marketcast podcast. And our guest today is uh, David Rabin. He's the, uh, the Vice President of the International Division of Use, a very well-known company, a pioneer in the industry. Uh, and uh, here to talk about the company is uh, Dave. So Dave, welcome to this podcast. It's a pleasure to join you, Virgil. Yeah, Dave, uh, for the benefit of our viewers, uh, I, I know Use is a well-known name, you know, it's, it's been in the industry since the beginning. I wrote a book on the satellite uh, industry, history of the satellite industry, so that, that's very well chronicled, uh, how the first geosynchronous satellite was made by Use, and uh, what is, where, where are you at now as a company uh, at this very moment? Um, we're, uh, we're in a good place, we think. <laughs> Um, in, in fact, we, we just uh, released our, our, our quarterly results and uh, mm-hmm. financially we're, we're doing pretty well. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that, that we're in a good place, is that we've built uh, a, a business that is um, a combination of services and uh, providing technology. Mm-hmm. A, a large part of the services that we provide uh, our uh, internet services. Um, and, and so we operate um, HughesNet. Uh, we now have uh, 1.58 million subscribers on, on HughesNet. Uh, and uh, throughout the, the pandemic, um, you know, it's been demonstrated that uh, connectivity is really important. So many people working for, from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, you know, we're, we're an essential business as, as a result of that. Um, and, and that means that, you know, we, we really haven't missed a, a beat, uh, I don't think, uh, even though a lot of our folks are working from home. Our, our operations have just gone forth um, steady as, as she goes. Uh, but we've been able to grow the business uh, during the pandemic. You know, the revenues are, are up modestly uh, quarter on quarter. Uh, and and uh, interestingly, we're we're seeing, uh, particularly in the in the HughesNet part of the business, we're seeing growth in in South America. Um, the reason being that we have capacity in which we can grow in mm-hmm, South America right. versus the U.S., where um, you know our, our our satellites are getting kind of full. Um, so, but the point is, going back to how how Hughes is doing, um, we're we're in a good place. Uh, the the service revenue uh, of HughesNet, as well as our uh, managed enterprise services, th- those revenues are are, are strong and, and steady, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know we're, we're we're doing well. Right. So you have a, a unique uh, business model, right? You're both a service provider and a technology provider. So you provide the equipment, and you also own satellites, etc. That's right. Yeah. So, so and 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 in fact, um, it, it's it's a yeah, it's it's we, we call it our virtuous cycle, um, you know, and, and it's in that we we develop technology, um, systems, uh, you know, uh, platforms, 
that we use on, on our own services. Mm -hmm. uh, and we also um, take those systems that we use to support our own service and, and we sell them to service operators around the world. And, and that's a very complementary uh, thing because we, we find that, well, you know, the, the volumes from our business help reduce our costs and that enables us to offer a, a lower cost solution to our, our uh, technology partners around the world. But in addition, our technology partners uh, around the world bring to us ideas for improving our, our systems. Mm -hmm. And we're able to apply that to our platforms and, and then drive that into our service offering. And, and right. so it's a very, you know, that's why we call it a, a, a virtuous cycle. Right. But a potential uh, buyer, for instance, of your technology from the ground segment, they don't have to use your space segment on, on the satellite, right? Of course not. Yeah. yeah. So our, our, our Jupiter system is operating, I, I've lost count. I, I, I think it's well over 40 satellites, but mm -hmm. um, you know, we, we've shipped our Jupiter system and, and, and the Jupiter system is the platform that powers the 1.5 million subscribers on the satellites that Hughes owns and operates. But beyond that, we've, we, we sell the Jupiter system to uh, service providers around the world. It operates on C-band, KU-band, uh, and of course, uh, uh, KA band. Mm -hmm. And now you've also invested in Leo systems, right? You invested uh, $50 million in the uh, OneWeb system? In, with, with the original OneWeb, mm -hmm. yes, we had mm -hmm. made a, a $50 million investment. Um, and, and as OneWeb gets reconstituted, uh, we do plan on uh, investing $50 million in, into the new OneWeb as well. Um, and, and that's a reflection of our view on NGSO, the you know, non-geostationary orbit uh, mm -hmm. constellations in, in GEO. Um, you know, we, we think that NGSO, whether it's Leo or Mio, are, are complementary to, to GEO. Um, when and and further, you know, our, our view is that with with geo, we're able to get um, capacity where we want it and, and at the capacity density that we want it, um, and and that geo is going to enable the lowest cost terminal and, and the lowest cost per bit. Whereas a Leo and Neo gets coverage and lower latency. So we, we view them as as complementary. And talk about your upcoming satellite, Jupiter-3. Is that on track for uh, launch next year? Well, um, we, what we just announced last year, uh, last week, I'm sorry, is that mm -hmm. um, the, the Jupiter-3 satellite mm -hmm. uh, will be launching in early 2022. So there's a slight delay, actually, mm -hmm. that, that, yeah. that we just announced. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure the reasons why, uh, but we're, we're dearly looking forward to it. That satellite is going to bring us more than five, uh, 500 gigabits uh, mm -hmm. of capacity uh, throughout all our markets. Um, and, but as I mentioned before, um, you know, our, our ability to grow, particularly in, in the North America market, is, is limited by capacity. So we, mm -hmm. we, we want to see that satellite as soon as possible. Right. Now, uh, we're, we're in the midst of a global pandemic, uh, Dave, uh, and uh, uh, some of the vertical markets that you've uh, uh, 
Hughes has heavily invested on, like uh, aero, aeronautical, and maritime has been heavily hit and might take uh, some time to recover, a couple of years according to some research. Uh, how does that affect you and how does that affect your business? Well, aero has been an, an important market for us. Uh, we, we have, and, and by the way, when it, when it comes to aero, our, our focus is on providing uh, technology and capacity to the, um, the aero service providers you know, the, the likes of um, Global Eagle or uh, Thales. And um, then that's been an important market segment for us. And obviously, it, as everyone knows, that, that's been hurt. But our, our view is the long term and that the market is going to come back. And we know, we can see, we're, we're working with our partners um, to um, address the, the airlines plans for years to come. The airlines are, are moving forward. Um, and actually um, something fairly exciting for us is that um, uh, just very recently, we had announced a, a collaboration with Inmarsat, um, whereby Inmarsat uh, is uh, introducing a new service called GX Plus. For, uh, for North America. And this is where in the collaboration with Inmarsat, uh, Inmarsat will uh, have access to our Jupiter capacity uh, in, in the US. Um, and, and that'll be using uh, Jupiter modems, uh, you know, Jupiter technology. Um, and, and so that, that's really exciting to us. Um, you know, Inmarsat has some really interesting uh, capabilities related to the fact that they can provide global coverage. Mm -hmm. And what we bring to them is uh, capacity and, and capacity density uh, in the U.S. Um, so we, and there's a number of uh, airline jobs that are, that are being worked on right now. Um, and, you know, again, we're working with all of our service partners. Um, you know, while people are not flying so much right now, they will be soon. And uh, we stand ready to work with our partners as, um, as people return to the skies. Right. Now talk about other verticals that you're active in. Like uh, you're also big in the cellular backhaul, right? Well, yeah, cellular backhaul is, is, is very interesting to us. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I'm kind of tempted to um, lump cellular backhaul under a broader category of, of digital divide. Mm -hmm. um, you know, digital divide where governments around the world are working to reduce the digital divide and, and bring connectivity to people in, in rural areas. Um, you know, and, and there's been a very clear correlation established between um, increase in, in connectivity an increase in GDP. I, I forget what the numbers are, but you know it's something like. I, and again, I forget. I'm terrible at numbers here, but you know it's something like you know every yeah. 10 percent increase in connectivity is is a one or two percent of GDP increase, which is right. Huge. You know, so what one of the one of the projects that I you know I I think is really exciting is uh, what we worked. Um, with uh, a number of service providers in Indonesia for Bhakti. Mm -hmm. um, Bhakti, that, that's actually an acronym, B-A-K-T-I. 
um, and, and I forget what the Bahasa Indonesia words are, but effectively bhakti is the um, is the entity under the Ministry of Communications that administers the Universal Service Fund in Indonesia. Uh -huh. and, and they've seen fit to uh, implement uh, something like, um, I think, close to 8,000 sites in Indonesia mm -hmm. over satellite for a combination of cellular backhaul <laughs> and uh, an internet service to uh, government offices. And, and that's why I'm mentioning cellular backhaul as part of digital divide. Um, they, and, and the way they, they, they administer this program, it, it turns out that there's five different service providers who provide the service uh, on behalf of Bhakti. Hughes turned out to be successful in providing the Jupiter technology to all five service providers. Mm. Um, so that was really exciting for us and, and really a validation that our, our Jupiter platform is, is multi-service. It, it's able to address um, a, a diverse range of applications. Um, right now, we, um, we know that there's been uh, more than 1,600 cellular backhaul sites deployed. And, and all of these sites have been deployed uh, using layer two transport mm -hmm. over satellite. Um, and, and so that's another kind of interesting thing. We, we think it, it might be the world's largest deployment of, of uh, layer two cellular, black, cellular backhaul over satellite. Right. Um, I'm so glad you mentioned yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that you uh, framed it that way, you know, including a, a broader uh, digital divide. So that, that's really the, the broadband promise that uh, satellites have been saying, you know, like uh, the original O3B concept, the other 3 billion who don't have connections, right? So that's part and, of that very large uh, universe that still hasn't been really adequately addressed up to this point. It, it, it really hasn't. And in fact, I, I think I, I, I've been... Um, paying attention to some of the world satellite business week uh, sessions this week, mm -hmm. um, you know, the Euro consult uh, mm -hmm. and, and, and it's now virtual. And, and somebody was saying that the number of unconnected people in the world, in fact, is more than 3 billion. It's, I, <laughs> right. I think I heard 3.8 billion. It's but, increased even but, more. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, but, but the real challenge in, in, in reaching those people, um, there's, there's a number of challenges, but a key challenge is, is um, economics. Um, you know, a, a lot of these, a lot of these people are um, in, in areas that are not just hard to serve, but are, um, you know, they're, they're not wealthy areas. Yeah. And, 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 and that's why, you know, government digital divide programs uh, are, are, are so important. And, and the use of universe, universal service uh, funds are, are really important in, in motivating uh, carriers, operators to uh, provide services to those areas. Right. So, uh, Dave, just the big picture again. If you were to rank, well, what are the key verticals that you're more bullish on and that you will be focusing in the, you know, post-pandemic, what, what would those be? Well, no question. Number one is, is internet, internet access. And, and, and in fact, you know, it's, it's almost as though everything is internet access. It's just a question of how it's going to be delivered. So, so just start with internet access. There's, there's a multiple ways of delivering it. We can deliver it direct to premise. Mm 
go directly to somebody's house, go directly to a business and, and provide internet service. It can be done through a carrier, through a, a mobile operator in the case of cellular backhaul. So cellular backhaul really essentially is enabling internet access. Um, most of the traffic on, on our cellular backhaul uh, sites that, that, that we enable is data. Um, you know, it's internet access. And then there's also uh, community Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. uh, you know, establishing kiosks in, in various, uh, you know, remote villages where somebody can sell tokens or in, you know, a, a government in establishing a hotspot for a school or for a medical clinic that citizens can, can also use. Um, you know, again, those are all part of internet internet in, in terms of um, you know, really what's being delivered. And, and again, the same applies for aero broadband. We're <laughs> delivering internet uh, in, in the air. And, and it's also true with, with maritime. So internet is, is, is number one mm -hmm. um, and, and by far the, the biggest. Now, uh, what else can we expect from you? So you have us uh, Jupiter 3 coming up early 2022. What else can we expect in the coming year? Yeah, so, um, you know, the, the Jupiter 3 satellite is, is going to be coming up. Um, it, related to that, we will be um, introducing um, further enhancements to the Jupiter platform, the, the, the system that we ship to our customers. Um, we're, we're going to be um, introducing a, um, a, a new family of remote terminals that uh, use uh, a more powerful system on a chip. It's backward compatible. So, you know, our, our operators who use uh, the current generation will be able to take advantage of the, the, the new family of, of remote terminals. But the remote terminals have more power and, and there's some more efficiency features. And, and you know, it's a, we're just continuing on that path of improving the cost performance ratio, um, which I, I think all of the industry has done well uh, in, in pursuing. Um, at, at a system level, um, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're really implementing extensive virtualization mm -hmm. um, so that um, you know, we're, we're essentially going to be enabling, if you look at how we're going to implement our, our ground network for our Jupiter 3 satellite in the U.S., we're essentially developing a private cloud mm -hmm. um, driven by uh, software-defined networking with extensive virtualization um, and at a network management layer, we are applying artificial intelligence and, and machine learning uh, to manage this. Um, and, and that is an area that is actually becoming more and more important for us. Um, and, and, that, and that's underscored or, you know, the importance of it is underscored as we look even further forward and we see um, hybrid networks mm -hmm. and all networks are hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, terrestrial in combination with GEO, and we're going to be adding LEO and GSO 
um, in managing those complex networks, um, you know, we we're looking to um, again artificial intelligence and, and machine learning to make things easier. Um, and we've already had some really good uh, success in applying AI and ML to our own uh, managed operations for for enterprise networks in the U.S., whereby uh, we've been able to uh, re reduce failures by up to seventy percent. In, in some instances, using again AI and, and ML techniques, and so these are these are things that we're using in our our own network implementations, and that we're looking to um, integrate into our, our Jupiter platform and be able to share with our partners around the world. Right. Well, that's a pretty good overview and uh, update on your company, uh, Dave. Is there anything else uh, you want to add? Uh, you know, I, I would just add that it's really an exciting time to be in the satellite industry. Um, you know, there's, there's just an, a lot going on. Um, and, you know, when I, and I, I look at, at 5G coming along, and I'm convinced that that's just going to propel demand even further. Right. Uh, and, and satellite will be a key part of 5G. And um, I, I think it's just an exciting time to be in the satellite industry. Yeah, I do agree with you, uh, Dave. Uh, it really is. Uh, and it looks like you, uh, a pioneer in the industry, uh, is still continuing to innovate and to be on the cutting edge of all these developments. Uh, well, there you have it. Dave Raven, Vice President of the International Division of Use, a company that we will be following very closely. Uh, for all the news and information on the global satellite industry, you always have satellite markets and research at www.satellitemarkets.com. And this podcast is also available on our YouTube channel, the Satellite Marketcast YouTube channel, uh, for other uh, interviews with the key industry executives.